Pues estamos un poco decepcionados por los resultados, pero sabíamos que íbamos a enfrentar un gran equipo. Este, no fue nada fácil, pero este, creo que representamos muy bien a México este, con garra, con corazón. Entonces, este, por una primera participación fue un segundo lugar, un segundo lugar fue, fue increíble para nosotros. Pues gracias por el apoyo y, y vamos a regresar más fuerte. Y esperemos que las próximas ediciones, varios mexicanos, varios equipos mexicanos puedan llegar. Pasaron el partido en Francia, entonces fue bonito. Mi familia pudo ver el partido, entonces extraño un poco Francia, pero estoy muy bien en México. Isn't it great when you cover the second best league in the world? Welcome back to the FMF State of Mind podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Antonio. As always, I got my co-host Ness with me. Ness, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. You know, they get his loss, but still, uh, they, they represented Liga MX well. How about you? No, exactly, exactly. We all watched the game, I'm sure. It was a, it was a really, uh, really, really entertaining game at the end of the day. So, really good to have that under CONCACAF and Liga MX's wheelhouse now. But uh, we're obviously going to be talking about that. And to do that, we do have a guest on our show representing the Bavarians, the Bayern perspective. Uh, we got German soccer journalist Jake Fenner from Bavarian Football Works, SB Nation's very own. Jake, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Thank you for bringing me on. And I agree, it is fantastic covering the second best league in the world, and I'm proud to do that every single week. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's I, I guess it works out for both of us, huh? Yeah, exactly. Tigres lost one nothing to Bayern Munich, um, which puts Tigres as the second best team in the world. That's how this works. That's how it's. That's how it. That's how we do it, and that's that's the way it's going to be. So until somebody else comes along, uh, Tigres is the second best team in the globe in in, in my exactly. eyes. Exactly. No. <laughs> I don't want to hear any MLS talk about any of this. No, definitely. <laughs> you think LAFC could have done that for 90 minutes? No. Oh, no. Exactly. No. Car- yeah, Carlos Vela wouldn't have cared that much for that long. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, just just going into the game itself. Let's just dive right in. So uh, before before this, Jake, I did want to ask you, uh, what did you know about Tigres and kind of you know Liga Mekis in general going into the game? Because you know this was the first time for us. We had never been in this in this stage before. Mm-hmm. No, I knew being being an American, I knew how important this was to Concacaf. Um, mm-hmm. I don't do a lot of following of Liga MX, but I know how important this league is to the United States as well as to Mexico. Um, and so for that reason, I, I had done a podcast right before I brought on Cesar Hernandez and we talked about this team. We talked about uh, basically how the uh, Liga MX system is set up because I don't know if a lot of my listeners know necessarily how the uh, basically two parts of a season system works, but um, mm. no, I knew how important of a team Tigres were going into it, and I knew how important this fixture was for CONCACAF, and I think that anyone who liked soccer in North America should have been watching that game, and from the most part, I saw a lot of American soccer journalists that were pulling for Tigres to do well just to have that kind of CONCACAF unity which I found interesting but also good like good in a positive kind of way um as far as players went I obviously knew how important Andre Pierginiak was I knew how important Carlos Salcedo was to the team um 
I remember Carlos Salcedo from beating Bayern Munich in the final of the DFB Pokal uh, for Eintracht Frankfurt a couple of years ago. But um, yeah, going into it, I knew it was an important game for Tigres and I wanted it to be a good game. And I think that's what we got. Yeah, no, definitely. And like you mentioned, like, it, yeah, it did seem like all of CONCACAF was pulling for them, including American journalists and like, you know, MLS, people that cover MLS, people that watch MLS, which is, which was a strange thing because especially on social media, MLS and Liga Mekis, uh audiences are very divided amongst themselves. Um, but, you know, and, and even in Liga Mekis, we're all divided amongst ourselves. But like, you know, despite what the pre-match uh, comments by like players like Nahuel Guzman or Guido Pizarro, who, you know, infamously said, you know, we're only representing Tigres, we're not representing all of Mexico. It still seemed like all of Mexico obviously was was pulling for them like what about you Ness? were you like i know we make fun of we have like made fun of tigres and like their meme that they're a small team a lot on this a podcast but like I, I assume you were rooting for them as well weren't you uh, kind of you know small teams play small ball so you know i don't expect too much from them no i'm joking obviously i was <laughs> pulling for tigres it was uh I, I know a lot of people weren't especially a lot of fellow chivistas and uh it was one of the things i was seeing where i was just like damn that's you know it's 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 unfortunate because when you think about it the the comments made by pisarro which were basically him saying you know we're representing tigres we're not representing the whole of like the liga mx or the concaf region it's like they can say what they want but that is what they're representing you know what i mean right. it's like for it's players, the whole point of the tournament almost. yeah exactly it, it, no it, yeah exactly it's like it's like going to a boxing match and before they announce like the ethnicities like and where like they're from for the countries they're like i'm not fighting for the country i'm fighting for myself it's like well it's kind of one in the same when you really think about it especially when it starts getting into competitions like this or like stuff you see like the olympics it's like it's really you are fighting for that region <laughs> yeah no, but yeah, uh, yeah but, but but another thing too that, that i kind of saw it's like you know noel guzman he's he's how long has he played in league mx it's been years man you've been oh, living been in years. mexico you're doing like that you represent the region same thing with pizarro it's like you know it, they even he played so well i think it is he even got the opportunity to go to sevilla and play there for a year and try to see mm-hmm. if he'd be able to make it in europe you know and he, he i guess he didn't like it or he didn't do too good of a job so he didn't end up doing it but as far as the whole team it's like how could i not root for Salcedo or you know diego reyes a team that's starting diego reyes as center back in 2021 it's like that's a brave team <laughs> say what you will about Duca. that's a brave team man i saw the memes leading up to the game and it was all you saw was lua just being like, literally like like stacked like just looking swole as hell and they were just like all the memes in mexico were just like they were just like that they were like this is the guy that's gonna defend him and you saw diego reyes you know 120 pounds soaking wet you know on, on a treadmill running so with no muscles or anything you're just like oh man this, this isn't gonna be fun at all but i feel like they did a pretty good job representing the region it was it was uh duca and it was it was a 4-4-2 as expected and you know it the cool part about it was they were going against bayern so it was somebody like atletico san luis so i wasn't falling asleep but i feel like they did a pretty good job of that overall no yeah definitely and it's funny that you mentioned that that uh that little meme that was going around because i did want to ask you about that jake because we've seen like the pictures coming out, out of the bayern camps like Lewandowski looking just jacked, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, when Coutinho was there, you know, and before in his Barcelona days, versus after he, you know, went on loan to Bayern and Goretzka's, you know, transformation. What's going on out there? What are the What are they giving them boys in training? What's going on with the with those regimens? Whatever they have, I want it. Like I want no, it exactly. desperately. Uh, I honestly don't know. Um, I remember when Niko Kovac was the head coach at Bayern Munich for a little while, and that was one of the main things that he wanted to hammer into his team was being physically fit. 
and I find it hilarious that in the months after he left, I've never seen Byron more physically fit than <laughs> when Hansi Flick has been in charge and has brought in his own weight trainers and conditioning staff and everything like that. But I don't know. It's been a remarkable uh, turnaround, I guess, in physicality for for this team. And it's not like Byron wasn't a physical team beforehand it's not like they couldn't fight for the ball if they absolutely needed to but now it's just now it's unfair it's just entirely unfair <laughs> no yeah definitely it's 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 crazy because especially in soccer when it definitely helps but it's not a it's not a needed area to be that you know physically dominant like it is in basketball football or anything else like that um you know you got you know five foot eight argentinians you know that can change the world without even you know having to bench that men that much you know what i'm saying but it is really astounding to see like you know those pictures we make memes out of it we make fun of it or whatever but it is pretty crazy to see how things are going over there for them but yeah going into the game itself um i think everybody was everybody that like we said was pulling for tigres was pulling for Concacaf. I don't think anybody was disappointed. I think the only way we're disappointed is that I felt like Digitas could have actually won that game had a couple plays, a couple things go had gone their way. So, like, uh, Jake, I want to ask you first, what kind of, what kind of, what, what impressions did you get from the Digitas team that went out to play Bayern? Because, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a scary team as any to play Bayern right now who have won so many titles this year have literally been the most dominant team in Europe in the world for however long now. So did you like were you surprised what 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 was going through your head? One thing that I had kind of taken away from from the episode that I previously referred to, the one that I did right before the game as I was listening to Cesar talk about like how this team likes to set up, I was listening to it and I was mm -hmm. sitting there and I was like, wow, this team sounds a lot like Bayern. They sound a lot like <laughs> how like Bayern likes to operate in terms of possessing the ball, uh, finding weak points in opponents' armor and pressing pretty hard. And so I thought we really saw that in the first half, like especially in the first 30 minutes. We saw it throughout the entire game, but especially within the first 30 minutes of the game, it was fantastic. It was high octane, running up and down the pitch, everybody trying out every single trick that they've ever learned, uh, especially Alfonso Davies not making three players at one time. But it was intense, it was fast, it was beautiful. It was beautiful in a way. And I'll say this, I, uh, throughout the entirety of the game, I had thought that Bayern was the most dominant team, and stats will show Bayern was the most dominant team, but I thought that Tigres did a very, very good job. They weren't, it wasn't like Bayern was the most dominant team, and they were playing like, I don't know, like the equivalent of like a Mexican second division team. No, they were playing a very good team. And I would say it wasn't like Bayern was dominant and running away with it. It was more like it, you could clearly see that Bayern was the better team. But if it had been a Bayern team coached by Nico Kovac, yeah, I could see this going into extra time. But no, um, I think Tigres did a fantastic job. I think that the players did 
well. And I'll be honest with you, I fully believe that Nahuel Guzman deserved uh, player of the tournament. By far and away, he only let in, what, I think two goals in all three of the games, and he stopped eight shots against the best team in Europe. If that doesn't get you a <laughs> player of the tournament, then I don't know what will. Yeah, that was weird as well when I saw Lewandowski get the golden ball. For um, Obviously, he's a great player, and he did do well at this tournament. But in the two games, and, it, and, and I mean, you know, it's kind of it's kind of unfair that you know Bayern only plays two games in this tournament, you know. So for to get, I don't know, but I agree with you. I think I think it could have gone to Nahuel because he did have a great game. A lot of players, a lot of Tigres players had a great game. I think Carlos Salcedo looked the most focused. He's at, even though he did almost score an own goal, that was a little miscommunication between him and Guzman, but. Uh, he looked the most focused that we've seen him in years. I mean, if he played like that every game, holy crap, like Mexico would have their center back for the future and beyond. Like, he looked so rock solid. Jesus Duenas had some good defensive uh, movements. Uh, really, everybody. I think uh, they Tigres really came ready to play Bayern. And, and I think, like I said, had a couple of plays gone their way, had the midfield connected more with the attackers, um, and Gignac not have to come back so much to help out. I think they could have surprised Bayern a little bit. Uh, Ness, what do you think about how the way Tigres played? I think Tigres played okay. Uh, my only gripe is that Tuca should have probably made a couple subs around the 60th minute. I mean, oh, this yeah. is an old team, man. This Tigres team, they, they haven't been revamped in about the last like two to three years, if you really think about it. They'll add a player every now and then, like they did with Carlos Gonzalez in the offseason. But um, even then, he hasn't practiced and played enough with the team to even make such a big impact as he was making with Pumas before he made the move. So when I saw the way they played, I liked it. It was very similar to the way that they play in Liga MX. I think the one thing where I didn't like that they kind of they were on their back foot the whole game, which obviously they, they're going to be, you know, as the European <laughs> champion. But um, just the one thing that I don't think that they highlighted as much about Liga MX was the counterattacking. And with a team that old, I don't think they could take advantage of something like that. Like, imagine, like, a team like Lyon or somebody else along those lines. I know they're not in hot form right now in Liga MX, but you imagine a team like that on the counter against Bayern. It's like, that game, I think, would have been more exciting. Yeah, Lyon would have probably let in a whole bunch of more goals. But um, it's something where, mm -hmm. like, Tigres, they're very, they're very what, formidable, especially when it comes to defenses and kind of, like, what is it called, parking the bus with uh, Pizarro. And he's usually pretty good as far as connecting with the forwards, but... You know, usually Tigres, what they'll try to do, they'll have Aquino on the wing, and they'll have Quinones on the wing, and they'll just try to find a way to somehow let the ball get to Gignac through corners or whatever it might be, and just see, hopefully, Gignac can make some magic happen. And as you can see, it's like, that's not going to work when you have some of the top defenders in the in the, in, in the world, really, especially uh, like that, that Bayern has. So I'd say that would be my only gripe. I would just like to see some more counters. You know, if they would have brought in a couple people in the 60th minute, you know, somebody, another another midfielder, somebody along those lines. I thought Carlos Salcido, other than the goal he almost had as far as the auto goal, I thought it was he played a really, really good match. And you really saw how, how like, the reasoning why he played in Europe for so long and why he was so good. And you see him, and he's just like, man, I hope he goes back to Europe. <laughs> like, I really hope he goes back to Europe. Yeah, if he not, came can back we at least get him at Chivas. He came back too and, and, early. I, I and, and and I agree 100%. I think he needs to get back out there. I think Diego Reyes played decently as well. I like Duenas. I like the even. I even like Chaka Rodriguez. You know, cue really? the memes and all the jokes and everything. It's like I don't think he was the worst guy out on the field. 
but um as far as I, I think the wingers really let them down but i don't even know if it's their fault or if it's just bayern's defense being so damn well so damn fast so i think other than the subs i was happy about the way that they played no the subs is a very good point because that, that's something i noticed right away and the thing is like that's what duca does in liga mekis and any other games he doesn't make there's been games where he's made zero subs and he just leaves them all out there for 90 exactly. minutes and then he um, gets thrown out in the 60th minute. He's like, that's the momentum changer right there, baby. <laughs> yeah, we don't need subs anymore. But I feel like, you know, I mean, you know, he's a... he's a. What what can you say to Tuca? Nobody can change his mind. Nobody can, can give him any advice because he's going to do what he wants. Uh, but you really did need the subs in this type of match. And I was honestly surprised that Carlos Gonzalez, the newest signing, actually started. Because I think playing yeah, somebody like Leo Fernandez would have been a much better option i don't know see that's that's the one thing i was upset about i don't know why leo fernandez wasn't put in the game i think he should have started I th- and and i agree 100 or at least been on the field much more to see something like make something try to make something try to happen especially with right. when i saw gignac on the wings t- <laughs> trying to feed in balls like in service i'm just like who the hell is going to receive them like you're supposed to be receiving them <laughs> right he was on the wings if you look he at his heat map, he was on the wings. Yeah. He was going back to CDM almost. Exactly, like, yeah. And then you saw Aquino getting nutmeg by Alfonso, and I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, it was it was a bloodbath out <laughs> there for the wingers, man. It was horrible. It's like, I thought I was having flashbacks to his days at uh, racing, uh, I forgot where, over there in uh, Spain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it was yeah, like, yeah. it just did not look good. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Leo Fernandez would have given them something different. It was, it, they didn't need, and I know, G- I know Gignac can do more than, he's not just a poacher anymore, but... They didn't need two target men up there, you know what I mean? I think no, Leo exactly. Fernandez could have, could have, you know, gotten a. He definitely could have given exactly. the team more creativity, think, more yeah. distribution, because they needed those through balls. You know what I mean? They yeah, needed exactly. those little through balls to Gignac to beat to beat Nicolas Sule to beat to beat. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Alaba Sule. By them. the way, Jesus man, he is built like a. Gee, I don't even know what he's built like. He's built like a brick house, dude. He's, <laughs> he looks stacked out there. Like he was bullying them. I was like, this ain't, this ain't fair, man. I was like, it's this mean. I was like, it's ridiculous. I was like, <laughs> How tall is he? He's pretty tall. Too damn, too damn tall. <laughs> he's pretty tall. And I'll say this: probably his most consistent defensive performance of the year so far. And that's coming from me, who absolutely loves the dude. Uh, it's been a weird time at Bayern for all the center backs. Um, yeah. In a way. Um, and I really, I really do not intend for this to sound terrible, but it might come off that way. Know that this is not my intention. Not having Boateng was weird, but it almost stabilized the lineup because he has been prone to gaffes before in the past. Um, and I don't, I doubt that he would have really brought out the gaffes in a perform an important performance like this, but. Um, there were times when Hansi Flick was experimenting by putting Nicolas Sula at right wing, or at right back, and for a man that tall, he held it down really well. Like, the first time I believe we ever saw Nicolas Sula playing at that position was when he was playing against Bayer Leverkusen. Now, for those that don't follow Bayer Leverkusen or follow the Bundesliga, uh, they have two of the fastest uh, wing midfielders in the league, if not in all of Europe, in a Jamaican by the name of Leon Bailey and a Frenchman by the name of Moussa Diaby. And Nicolas Sula just shut them both down for the entire game. He did a very good job at right back. And despite that, 
his natural position is at center back. It's at right center back, and Boateng has had a pretty good season so far. Despite the few gaffes that he has made, the few notable gaffes that he's made, he has had a pretty good season. Um, but with Sula there, um, he really stepped up to the challenge of, of that Flick asked him to do and be a more consistent defender at that position, and he absolutely showed out. In my mind, he was the best defender that Byron had that evening. Yeah, and I, 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 I did notice, I did know before coming into this match how, you know, Byron's center back situation was a little, a little muddy, especially with Sule, because I did see, I remember the comeback victory that Mönchengladbach had against Bayern, where Sule was kind of the main perpetrator in that, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, all those goals that he that he let in. So like, I th I figured like, you know, maybe that could be good for Tigres. Maybe they could try to find a way to get balls in behind them, but. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. Again, maybe with Leo Fernandez on the pitch, something could have happened. But at the end of the day, we'll never know. But yeah, I, I, did, yeah, exactly. I, did, I did see that. He looked like Philip Lamb out there. I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, he would look like this against a Mexican team. <laughs> I mean, hey, in the, in the grandest stages, the players got to play like that, you know? They, mm. they did well. They did well. The weird thing about that comment, the Philip Lahm comment, is that we have our next Philip Lahm, and he's currently playing as our center midfielder. And that is the weirdest thing. That has been the weirdest thing to me over the last couple of years. Um, how when Bayern initially bought Joshua Kimmich from uh, RB Leipzig, when Leipzig were in the third division of right. German soccer, we never expected him to really turn into much of anything. And then he became the best right back in the world. And then he said, you know what? I was initially brought up as a central midfielder. I want to switch to center mid. And Flick said, okay. And then he became one of the best center defensive midfielders in the world, <laughs> arguably. So it's very weird, but also very fantastic. But that also lends itself to a lot of problems. Um, Benjamin Pavard was brought in last summer from... Not this last summer, but the summer before. Uh, from Stuttgart. And... Last year he had a pretty decent season, but this year he's had a really, really rough go at it. Like, to the point where, you yeah. know, he's been starting Nicolas Sula at right back. So, uh, last couple of games he's gotten it together, but um, having Kimmich switch to that central midfield role has kind of sewered Bayern at right back. But uh, Pavar played well this game, um, especially in scoring the goal, which I... I hate repetitive narratives, right? Like, I love Alfonso Davies as his own player. I love his backstory. I hate the need for everyone to bring it up all the time because he's really grown beyond the story that people associated him with, right? For people to really, um, like, understand him when he first got into the Bundesliga, yeah, of course, like, absolutely, feel free to bring up his story because it's an inspirational story it's a beautiful story um for those that don't know he was born um to liberian uh, parents in a uh in a refugee camp in ghana 
and then mm -hmm. when he was a young kid, he was able to get out and uh, move with his family to Canada, where he got found uh, by talent scouts from Vancouver when he was playing in the uh, Edmonton, Alberta area. He became the youngest player to ever start for the MLS with the Vancouver Whitecaps, and then Byron bought him for, I want to say about 20 to 22 million euros and he's become a fantastic left back for us but whenever i hear that i kind of think and say to myself oh my god you're beating you're beating this narrative to death he's become so much bigger of a player than when you needed to constantly remind the world about this story but um i don't i don't know i think i think he had a very good game i think uh I think Davies had a fantastic game. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought in that, but um, yeah, yeah. I think I think Davies had a fantastic game. Uh, oh, now I now I remember where I was going with this, right? So Pavard scored his goal. Uh, going back to the repetitive narratives part, every time Benjamin Pavard has a shot on goal or an attempt on goal, everyone brings up the goal that he scored at the 2018 World Cup. At the 20, yeah, and, I, th I thought so. And it's a fantastic goal, don't get me wrong, but for some reason, the only way that Benjamin Pavard can score a goal is by hitting it off a volley. And whenever he attempts a shot at goal, he hits it off the volley, and every commentator after that, regardless of whether or not it goes in, it's like, oh, that looked very similar to the goal that he scored against Argentina in yeah. the 2018 I mean, round it was, of 16. Wasn't it it's voted just, like, it wasn't was it voted like goal of the tournament. It was voted goal of the tournament, and it's a fantastic yeah, goal, right? But that's like defining James Rodriguez's entire career by the goal that he scored in 2014, <laughs> and you didn't do that, and yet they do that with Pavard. And I just yeah, don't get I still it. am. I don't know about anybody else. I still define Hamas' career off those bangers off the post he was scoring in 2014. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but damn. What, that whole tournament for Pavard, too. <laughs> yeah, it was. He, he really went in. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think, did he win the Puskas for that year? For that goal? Or did that go to someone else? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he won the Puskas, but he definitely won goal of the World Cup. Of the World Cup, yeah. No, definitely. Let's talk. Yeah, I, I was gonna bring that up. Let's talk about the goal because there was some ooh, controversy, like always, mm -hmm. with this uh, with this goal. Uh, Ness, I'm gonna ask you first. Should it have counted? Uh, yes, but Noel knows better than where he put his positioning, his body. He damn near almost got caught at no man's land and tried to run it forward. And when Lua was smart, Lua got in front of him. So when that happened, it's like if Noel would have positioned himself in front of Lua, it would have looked like he was the offender in the in like in, in like the whole incident. So I think it would have been called a foul. Somehow he snuck like past him and made it look like it wasn't. So next thing you know, Pever gets the ball and he ends up scoring. But I think as far as it was really weird too because that first goal got disallowed. I don't know what you guys thought are on, are on that one. I think that one's iffy. Every single angle I saw, I didn't see definitive touch that it touched Lewandowski. But at the same time, it's like. From every, I saw like three or four different angles, and I was really trying to make my mind up about it. But I'm just like, maybe it grazed his foot, like I mean, like the back of his ankle or something along those lines. But I mean, I, think, I don't I know. Think I think the, I think that's a tougher call than the other one that they made. And I, I was like, all right, disallowed. But yeah, I think the it, official I, call for the first one was that he was in Guzman's way, like and in, it skewed in his, his decision making. I think that's yeah, what they were like saying, was, and I'm like, eh, yeah, I think that was like, the official reason. So, mm -hmm. but, but as far as Zach goes, I felt like that was a tougher call than a second one, where a second one where it's like Noel damn near almost got caught, like trying to go a little bit too far when he came out. And if he would have got in front, 
of Lewandowski, then I think it would have been called a foul. But the fact he kind of got caught behind him and on the back, it looked really weird the way it came down. So it wasn't an automatic foul. And then next thing you know, it ended up turning into a goal. But I was I would have been more mad about it if Tigres had more attacking opportunities and the game was more closer. But it's like, come on, they've been bombing Tigres for like the last like 30 minutes. They were bound to score. You know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's yeah. like, are you really upset? This was where the direction was headed. You know, we weren't they weren't counting or attacking. They weren't really doing anything really. They were just holding a fort down as like Bayern just like just pressure them as much as they could what do you so guys you think, think though you, do you not do you not think it came off his arm a little bit Lewandowski it might have but I think they were going to score regardless so to, to me it doesn't really matter that much I think I think Bayern were the better team up to that point and it was just a matter of oh, time yeah. so it's like as far as like the first goal too I don't I don't, I don't know if the, it was the best call as far as that one too so it was kind of like all right I don't know if the ref's making up for his decision earlier on through <laughs> mm-hmm. like the whole VAR method because you see a lot of that and like you see a lot of that in the game a lot of people don't like to talk about it but these refs will be like well why didn't do, they do that to that player because of that it's like because they missed that call a lot of people don't really think about it that way but I like to see it and kind of through that lens where they kind of see it as far as through the whole game they don't try to affect it too much but if you have like two or three of those same situations before you know it they're going to start agreeing that it is a goal you know what i mean yeah no that happens a lot in thingo mackies too where references try to compensate for something exactly they, they for they poor did, calls but, or something and yeah. then they just my, my big thing too where they're talking about a lot of like the fouls and everything was like well all right like do you want the ref to send somebody off and then that to find the rest of the game or you want them to be able to play the game like, it's no matter how rough they might be playing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Jake, what about you? Uh, the two goals. Because, yeah, I actually had forgotten about that first one that was disallowed. But uh, the, the first of all, the goal itself. You, th- you think it was – you think it was uh, – you think it should have gone – like, was it good? Um, no. I really Ooh. don't think that the goal that was the 1-0 should have counted. I'll be perfectly honest with you. I think the decision should have been swapped. I really don't... Okay. Going back to the first goal, I really don't think Guzman's view was blocked. And I know this mm-hmm. because when you looked at reversed camera angles, you could see Guzman looking directly at the ball. There was a channel, <laughs> like, in the defense where Guzman was looking directly at the ball, at Kimmich's feet. Lewandowski didn't uh, adjust his run to touch the ball. He jumped out of the way of the shot. Uh, it didn't deflect off of him, so I think that's a goal. I don't care if he's standing in an offside position. Uh, he's not really standing directly in front of Guzman and offside, so in my mind, that's a goal. Going back to the second one, uh, I don't think that one should have counted. I don't think that should have counted at all. Uh, I think the line that they drew from the uh, back of the foot of Salcedo uh, and wherever Lewandowski was standing was generous to Lewandowski um and I've looked at replay uh for when uh Nahuel and uh Robert went up in the air and tried to get the ball uh to me it looks like Nahuel heads it down and it deflects off of Lewandowski's arm and whether or not I think that should be disallowed the letter of the law states that no matter what if it goes off of somebody's hand or arm at any point in the lead up to a goal it does not count it is ruled off for handball and they keep playing and it's a goal kick um they didn't look at that i guess i guess they spent more time looking at the offside decision yeah um but no i really i really 
I don't think the second one should have counted. But I have a I have a hotter take. Um, I don't necessarily think this game should have happened at all, especially after what happened with uh, uh, with Tomas Muda testing positive for a COVID test. I'm sorry to sorry oh, to yeah, hijack like the, the day interview. before. Uh, it was the day of. It was the, it was the morning of, oh, the, of day the game. Of, right, the yeah. morning of the game, Tomas tested positive for COVID nineteen. Now it's not like it's a reserve goalkeeper, right? It's not like Ron right. Torben Hoffman tested positive for COVID nineteen, <laughs> and therefore it's a huge issue. No, it's like if Andre Pierzyniak tested positive, right? Muller works with everybody. He's a vice captain. He works in the midfield. Uh, he's very important to build up play and set pieces and working in the box. And he so, played against Al-Ali, didn't he? Yeah, he played against Al-Ali, but he tested negative before that game. So, to me, the decision to still allow the game to play on just shows where FIFA's priorities are during this entire pandemic. <laughs> and I shouldn't be surprised. I'm really not terribly surprised, but... Um, I don't know. We're in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. If one of the most important players who gets a lot of the touches on the ball for one of the two teams tests positive, I don't think you should play the game. I think you should delay it a little bit, at least until he comes back with a second negative test or I don't know, man up and delay it. Right. Like, like we're in a, we're in a pandemic. We are not in like some kind of peacetime where it's like, shunned or like swept under the rug like it's okay he just has like a flu no it's covid we are in the middle of a pandemic we are all staying at home as a result of this and for some reason the only people that get special dispensation to travel around the world are professional footballers how about we go ahead and we delay this game when one of the most important players on the pitch tests positive and comes down with it and the fact that they Mm -hmm. didn't do that is just blindingly ignorant to what's actually going on here Oh, yeah. And we could talk about this with literally everything going on right now. And we have talked about it, didn't we, Ness? I think last week, right? Or the l- last episode. I mean. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Like about just, you know, we could talk about this with every single game, every single tournament, and, and really just question should they even be happening and happening at all. And if we really look into our heart of hearts and we really look into our morality, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't really be playing any of these games. Um, exactly yeah, but the really machine needs to be fed baby we got to keep it rolling you know we there's gotta still gonna these, be viewers yeah. there's gonna be sponsorships there's gonna be ads do you need an nba all-star game no are no. we gonna have one absolutely you know it's one of those <laughs> <Exactly>. things <laughs> i think oh, the other man. thing is that i think a lot of I, I see this a lot in england i've been seeing a lot of stories out of england that are saying things like this in germany as well that when the first stop of leagues happened, uh, there were like talks about clubs being like entirely disbanded because they weren't going to have enough money. And so if they could barely afford to do that with one shutdown, imagine what two would do. And especially exactly. now, I mm-hmm. guess with vaccines actually coming out, uh, rates of transmission, despite the fact that they aren't good i don't think they were nearly as bad as they were from march to april and i will also claim i will also disclaimer i'm not a doctor Uh, i just am a journalist that pays attention to the johns hopkins covid uh, website way too much but 
uh, yeah, I think a lot of clubs probably couldn't afford another long-term stoppage to this. And I think that's probably more of a reason why leagues are still happening now than than people's just desire to have it. Because of course that cuts into it, but imagine surviving all of this, but your club isn't able to, right? People lost mm-hmm. jobs all over the place. It's not like you can pull magic out of a hat and ask people to do fantastic things, right? I, I love Germany and, and fan support in Germany because you hear these fantastic stories about ha- the lengths that teams have been able to go to and what fans have been able to go to to keep their teams alive, right? Like, you can start from the top where Bayern Munich gave Borussia Dortmund a loan in the early 2000s just to keep them afloat. And then that turned into one of the best rivalries in all of Germany, right? You can look mm-hmm. at lower divisions, like uh, like a third division side in East Germany, Dinamo Dresden, where for two years, in order to overcome financial troubles, they asked every season ticket holder to pay double uh, their season tickets in order to keep the club afloat. And guess what? Everyone did, and they kept everyone afloat. Can you do the same thing in the middle of a over two-year-long worldwide pandemic? which is what I really think we're going to get into with people losing their jobs left, right, and center. I don't know if you can. And the only way to get revenue right now is through TV money. And if your team's not on TV, you might not even make it to August. And that is terrifying for me and for fans of a whole bunch of other clubs. I'm in the beautiful position of having found a team through really one player uh, that's the most financially solvent club in Germany. But if I'm anybody in the German soccer pyramid below position six, if this league got shut down again for a long time, I'd be very, very terrified. Yeah, no, that that's definitely an interesting point, too. And Yeah, it is. We, and w- w- sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, but when you hear no, about clubs like Barcelona having issues, you're like, damn, how far does this go? You know what I mean? A lot of people were ill-prepared. It's almost like the 2008 housing crisis in the U.S. when everything ended up happening. It's like how many banks or how many big institutions that you think would be, you know, responsible enough to be able to save up for a rainy day were just caught with their pants down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I don't think yep. Barcelona's problems are necessarily a pandemic, I think biggest problem with Barcelona is that they paid one man over $600 million for just four years of playing for them. Exactly. Regardless yeah. of whether or not about, yeah. it's yeah. Like He's about to walk for free, boys. Whether or not it's the justified, <laughs> I don't know. I think, I, I actually kind of think it's justified because I think in history we're going to look back at Lionel Messi being the best player that ever played for Barcelona and I know that Diego Armando Maradona played for them, but I still think that Leo Messi's going to go down as the greatest player to ever play for Barcelona. So, sure, why not pay him $180 million a year? But just to see all of the things added onto it. And the biggest part is that he signed the contract during the fact that uh, that Barcelona had all of these contracts that had to go in with different stipulations to all these different clubs because that's the that's the thing i really think is going to kill barcelona it's not necessarily the 600 million that they have to pay for Lionel messi it's the fact that they have 21 signings that they are still paying other clubs for and only about four or five of them are still at barcelona like it's incredibly ridiculous how much money they have 
tucked into contracts with different clubs to the point where they're considering benching Philippe Coutinho for the rest of the year in order to not pay Liverpool about 40 million pounds that they signed him for in his contract back when he initially signed in like 2018. Oh. It's a ridiculous thing. And I blame Bartomeu for that. it. I I blame Bartomeu for it, right? You ate to see yep. it, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, yep, you know, they can't keep up with Florentino Perez. But you no, know, they can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you try to outspend Florentino Perez, you lose. You lose every time. Exactly. Oh. Not only that, but the the most alarming thing for me, Barcelona. You know, they always had a they always had a good like people coming up as far as through the youth ranks. You know, the Barcelona youth teams and everything. Yeah. Where yeah. are those players? <laughs> Where are those new up and coming? Uh, you know why? I suppose Pep Guardiola sniping all of them at Man City. <laughs> and a lot of people don't want to talk about it, but you know they're in deep with stuff like that. And you know when you think about it, it's like you had all these players previously, like Xavi and Iniesta and every other other players. Where are those players coming up in the youth ranks? Like as far as they represent Spain in the future. Future. it's like they're all usually in england now and that's the crazy part when mm. you think about it yeah, yeah they really need to take all of that money that they would have paid leo messi next year and reinvest it back into la masia because that's really the only way that they're going to be able to get out of this oh yeah definitely because yep. the, the signings aren't 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 flourishing like they used to either they're not bringing nope. those type of players that all they, right and, that I, and, they and and I know I'm switching off topic a little bit. Is Alaba going to Real Madrid? <laughs> like I have, I have heard so many rumors. Do you do you honestly think he's going to Real Madrid? I know he's not staying at Bayern because here's here's the thing. I knew that he wasn't going to stay at Bayern from last summer, because uh, he hired Pini Zahavi as an agent. Uh, for those that are unaware, Pini Zahavi is almost like Mino Raiola in that he is famous for signing clients to get them out of their clubs to bigger moves. Which, I mean, of course there's probably a hierarchy to all of this. For for David Alaba, somebody who started off playing only like one or two years at Hoffenheim's Academy, but really was a Bayern Academy prospect, and a Bayern Academy product who has played with Bayern the entire time, I'm fine with him leaving if he wants to go play somewhere else, right? He's brought a lot of success to the club and he was basically one of our own for a very long time right his agent zahavi started asking for a ridiculous amount of money and by ridiculous here's what i really mean when people hear rumors about anyone going to bayern munich they have their first question is is he getting paid more than Robert Lewandowski? Is he asking for a contract bigger than Robert Lewandowski's? Which is somewhat unfair to whoever is coming in, but at the same time, you could probably say, definitely say that Lewandowski is the best player on Bayern Munich, so why would you be paying somebody better than your best player? But Zahavi was like asking for a massive wage increase that right off the bat Bayern knew they couldn't afford but a massive wage increase with a bunch of add-ons and so they resigned to, in like September they were like we're not going to be able to afford this we'll keep sending a couple of offers and then by October they were like no we're not going to be able to afford him at all because um Bayern in Germany has a board to answer to which is a unique aspect of the German soccer system but that'll just get me on another large tan tangent but the point is Bayern 
have a lot of money and they could spend it recklessly like Bartomeu did at Barcelona, but um, no, they want to try and turn a profit. They want to try and be a successful and financially stable club. And so they looked at Alaba's contract and I bet you they said, if we really needed to, we could afford to pay this. But at the same time, we don't want to. We don't want Alaba to become the highest paid player at the club. So he's not going to return to Bayern. Now, where he goes, I don't know. And the reason why you hear Real Madrid popping up is probably because they're probably the only club out there, them and Man City, that can afford to pay the wage that Zahavi is asking for his client. So if not there, than Manchester City, but I don't necessarily know if Manchester City either needs somebody like Alaba at center back or would want someone like Alaba at center back, especially because they just spent a lot of money to bring in Ruben Diaz from mm-hmm. uh, from uh, from Portugal over the so summer, far. and it has it has worked out pretty well for them so far. So I don't know where he's going. I just know he's not going to come back to Bayern next year. Oh, I think he might go to Madrid. Ness, you're a Madrid fan. You'd want him over there? Yeah, I'll take it. Any players that are mid-decent, I'll take it. We need it. We need, we need those uh, those league games, man. It's like where everybody's going to catch a slack. And it's like where everybody's taking everything way too seriously or anything like that. But yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have Matt at, at Real Madrid. I know Marcelo. I know he's doing – I know he's still doing – he's doing less now than what he used to. It's like I think Alaba would be not fit into that spot perfectly, but he's a very versatile player, whether it be center back, whether it be left back, whether it be a CDM, I think he'd be able to fill one of those mm-hmm. roles No, yeah, definitely. And I think Bayern just, what, the rumors are that they are about to sign Upamecano, right? Or if they've already reached an agreement with him. Jesus, man, it's just, yeah, yeah no, the board, the, uh, the club sporting director, uh, Hassan Salihamidzic, uh, confirmed yesterday that they were going to buy him, and I, I got into a very long Twitter argument with a friend of mine who's a Hertha Berlin <laughs> fan, uh, but at the end of the day, I don't think it's a bad choice for players to want to go to a bigger club, because these days it's not, it's not like people come to Bayern because solely they are able to pay them big money or they just want to see the German league system die and they want to see Bayern win forever. No, (laughs) it's because Bayern is an attractive club to a lot of players and what wouldn't be, right? So with Upamecano, right, he had a choice between Bayern, Liverpool, and Chelsea. Now, I look at Liverpool, I look at Chelsea. They both could probably use somebody like Upamecano. Uh, Manchester United was linked with Upamecano last summer, and I think they probably could have used someone like him as well. But here's the thing, and here's what I really think it boils down to. Upamecano is still only 22 years old. He has a lot of development to do left, and if you think about the center backs and the players like in central midfield and on the defense that the Bundesliga and especially Bayern have been able to churn out over the last couple of years, why wouldn't you want to go there and develop? Not to mention, Bayern has a lot of French players on the team. Luca Hernandez, uh, Benjamin mm-hmm. Pavar, as I mentioned, uh, Corentin Tolisso, Tolisso in midfield, uh, Kingsley Coman on the wings. So, uh, and I always forget Bounassar, but that's because he's the most unmemorable 
person on this Bayern team, but he's also French and he also plays on the defense, right? So he's surrounded by a lot of fellow compatriots and he's also going off to play for the best team, right? And it's not like Leipzig are going to be incredibly hurt by Upamakano leaving because they have done a very good job at finding talent in Eastern and Central Europe and bringing them through their systems in Austria and in East Germany. And they still have players that can run for a while, right? Lucas Klosterman is still pretty good. They still have Nordi Mukiele, who is mostly used at right back, but can still play at center back if he needs to. And they have a ton of academy prospects that can become the next Ayo Upamakano. So uh, him moving to Bayern is a great idea for him. Uh, even from like a non, like trying to be a non-biased person, uh, I'm just glad that he stayed in the Bundesliga. I would have been glad it, that he stayed in the Bundesliga if he went to Dortmund, even though Dortmund probably wouldn't be able to afford him or necessarily would want him. But uh, yeah, Bayern have a glaring problem at defense that is going to need to be addressed when Alaba leaves, and they're probably going to re-sign Boateng, but Boateng is starting to approach his mid-30s. So having someone like Uwe Makano there definitely hedges their bets for the future. Yeah, definitely. He's definitely one of the biggest like names in, in as a as a center back right now in the world. I did not know he was 22. That's yeah. how old I am. Yeah, it's That's shocking. Nuts. It's how old I am. It's shocking how young some of these players are at at Leipzig specifically. Right? They have a yeah. fan, they are doing a fantastic job finding players uh, in in Europe and a lot of it comes through um, their starting point at Red Bull Salzburg and the better players will go from Salzburg to Leipzig as we saw with that Hungarian youngster Dominic Shaboshlai and he's probably going to do very well for them in the future so it'll be fun and now Bayern's really only got to find a, uh, a central midfielder, a third central midfielder, because I don't imagine that Corentin Tolisso is going to stay. Uh, so they'll have to look elsewhere for that, and who that's going to be is really up in the air. I've heard four or five different options, and I don't know if any of them are better than another. So it'll be, it'll be fun to watch that, but getting this out of the way is a good thing for this team. Yeah, and I and I have seen the little the little Twitter drama that's you know always in the Bundesliga with other fans being you know so critical of Bayern signing the best players from from Dortmund, from Leipzig, from other like Bundesliga uh, clubs and stuff. So I thought that was really that was really interesting too. It's kind of like Tigres uh, kind of does that a little bit, don't they, Ness? Like they just kind of attract these players from other league makers. Leo Fernandez is a prime example. Yeah, and they, they do. Just, but the thing they with Tigres is that. then they just don't use them. No, not at all. You have to get into Duca's good graces. If not, you end up on the bench. <laughs> and then you end up seeing with players like Celerian, who, who just recently just won with uh, Col- Christopher Columbus, Columbus yeah. FC or something like that. Christopher Columbus. Not, <laughs> not Columbus FC. And, uh, you know, it ended up being uh, not player of the year, but as far as uh, in that game being the MVP. So, and that was right. a guy that was constantly on the bench. It would be lucky to see 20 mm-hmm. or 30 minutes. So, you know, it's all see if you're in Duca's good graces or not, you know. Well, we're getting near the end of this podcast. I think uh, to round this about, 
I think uh, looking towards the future as we you know the Conca Champions draw was was a couple days ago you know we're gonna we're gonna go through this process all over again there's gonna be another Club World Cup in December if it all goes according to plan uh, Ness you think you're gonna you think we're gonna you know this year was a history making year do you think we're gonna see even more CONCACAF clubs kind of go the Tigres route and start getting to more Club World Cup finals and maybe who knows guys maybe even winning them one day yeah, exactly. I I would like to see it. You know, clubs like Pachuca have done well in the past, and we see Tigre is doing well this run. But you know, I can't, can't wait for Cruz Azul to win that uh, FIFA Club World Cup one day. You know what I mean? No, but they're still not going to win the league. <laughs> still... I'll tell you that. Much. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, st- they'll still shoot themselves in the foot somehow. But um, but yeah, I I think this is the upward trajectory. You know, I think you know the gap is closing. I don't think the gap is closing, but I think you will see more MLS clubs if they get assets like Carlos Vela. You know, moving forward. And, you know, you, you see yeah. a lot of the U.S. is I don't think a lot of people come over here to play for the MLS, but they come over here to live the American lifestyle. And I think if America can keep those standards up and all that, you'll see a lot of uh, people hopefully coming to the U.S., not only, you know, old retirement league status, but people that are still in their prime. So if the, if the MLS are doing stuff like that, then you'll see them more considerably. But when you think about it as far as tactic, it's, it's tactics and um, te- technicalities in general, I think Liga MX will still be in the forefront for like the next 10 years or so. Hopefully, I agree. Uh, Jake asked for you we know Byron's going to be in this position again uh, every every you know in a couple years time but speaking about this year specifically um, they you know they're still the best team in Germany they're probably going to win the league but you know they've already gotten eliminated from the cup I saw Um, what do you expect from Bayern this season and do you think they have a shot to go back to back in the Champions League I think they have good of a shot as anybody to go back and back to back in the Champions League. Going back to back in the Champions League is hard, but I really think that uh, they will be able to. It really all depends on who they draw. If it's like Bayern Manchester City in the semifinals, then it's a crapshoot. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. It really, it entirely depends. It's been so long since I last thought about the Champions League that I don't exactly remember all the draws. I'll be honest with you, while you were talking, I was looking up the CONCACAF Champions League bracket. That looks fantastic. I think all of the Mexican teams are going to advance in their first round. The one match I'm really looking forward to is if they both win their matches, uh, Club America playing Portland. That will be a fantastic game. That will be intense. Mm -hmm. That will be fun. Uh... I imagine every team advances, and I do include uh, Leon beating whoever uh, they play, whether it's uh, Hamilton Forge or Toronto FC. I think either of those are uh, winnable games for them. Uh, Monterrey is probably going to get past uh, their first round pretty easily, and then uh, with Columbus, that'll be entirely different. That'll be very fun to watch. I imagine they'll get past him, but it'll be interesting. And to consider that the semifinals could be Monterrey versus... I I think Cruz Azul is probably going to beat Leon. Monterrey versus Azul, and then the winner of Club America and Portland against the winner of Philadelphia and Atlanta will be super fun to watch. Uh, as far as the Champions League goes, Bayern is playing Lazio, and 
that will just be interesting. That'll just be plain interesting. Mm-hmm. I really have nothing more to say about that. Uh, Barcelona versus PSG is another... Uh, it's That's going to be good. It's a rematch of that mm-hmm. fixture from a couple of years ago that saw a fantastic comeback from Barcelona, yeah. which they will not be able to replicate if it ever came down to that again. <laughs> uh, Leipzig and Liverpool is the most ridiculous game. They couldn't play it in... Uh, in Leipzig because the uh, the club or the German authorities weren't going to allow Liverpool to come into Oh yeah, Germany. they're playing it in Turin, I think, right? No, I, they're playing it in Budapest. Budapest. Okay. They're playing Somebody else is playing Budapest. in Turin. Yeah, um I just don't get why you play that fixture then uh, if you can't play it. Uh Porto versus Juventus. I mean, that'll be interesting. Juventus is probably. I'm excited win. for that one. Tecatito uh, Corona. Corona. Yeah, yeah. Tecatito. Uh, I hope he does well. I hope Tecatito goes to somewhere other than Porto. But uh, oh, you, all of us, man. <laughs> yeah, all of us. Please, God, somebody, please, if you're listening, please God, save the man. <laughs> someone get him out of the Portuguese uh, first division. He's been there for way too long. Yeah, and he he's already the most valuable player. He's already the best player in the league. Like, let's get him out of there. Get him to the Premier. League. Get him to play on a cold, rainy night in Stoke. He'll prove his worth. Uh, <laughs> Atletico Madrid playing Chelsea will be fun. I feel like we've seen that so many times. Yeah, it feels like a fixture that you've seen pretty often, though. I can't remember a very memorable Atleti versus Chelsea fixture, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, and then yeah, the final two are Atalanta versus Real Madrid. And Borussia Mönchengladbach against Manchester City. Now, I love Borussia Mönchengladbach. I think they're fantastic. They're just such such a good team. Uh, they're not going to advance <laughs> whatsoever. I like um, them, though. They're, I think they're a fun team. They are. They are a fantastic team. If you don't follow the Bundesliga, I would highly recommend following Borussia Mönchengladbach. Like, if anyone came up to me and asked me right now, I'd say Mönchengladbach. They are young. They are fast they are fantastic they have three of the most underrated young attackers in europe and i think they'll if they can keep that core group together they will do fantastic they will do very well in the next coming years i imagine if they can keep everyone together they might challenge bayern for a title two three years down the road uh i think bayern's probably going to get through pretty easily i just said my piece about uh uh mentioned gladback uh Dortmund Sevilla is going to be fun. I imagine Dortmund goes through, um, but they've just been in shambles in the league. They fired their head coach the other uh, the other month, uh, Lucien Favre. He hasn't he wasn't really that inspiring of a manager, in all fairness. And I've been railing on him. I've been praying for Lucien Favre to get out for Dortmund to finally be competitive. Uh, and now he's gone, but now they have to wait until the end of the summer, and I don't know if they'll be able to keep all the wheels on the bus, so I would not be shocked if Sevilla stayed there. And then Leipzig-Liverpool is going to be more of a shootout than I think a lot of people expect. Uh, this Leipzig team has conceded the least amount of goals in the Bundesliga. They've only conceded 17 throughout, I believe, twenty uh, over 20 games, so... They'll be fun to watch, and especially considering how Liverpool have had some really bad defensive troubles over the last couple of games, oh, yeah, that'll be man. fun to watch. So, uh, yeah, that's just a quick preview of what you're going to expect in the uh, Champions League in the coming days. But 
yeah, I think both Champions Leagues, both CONCACAF and UEFA, have fun ladders to get to the final. And uh, I actually really would not be surprised. It all depends on who comes out of Comnibol. But I would not be surprised if we saw CONCACAF versus UEFA in the Club World Cup final again come next year. Oh, me neither. Me neither. I think we're going to see that more often now. I think uh, with Comnibol teams, they're always going to be great. But... Um... I think we're, you, you're gonna, you know, you have tournaments like these where Palmeiras, obviously they won, and, but you know, even Conmebol fans themselves will tell you they weren't the best team in the tournament. Or, you know what I mean? They just yeah. maybe didn't deserve to win. Um, you know, they didn't dominate like you would expect uh, a Conmebol team to do in the Libertadores. But now, yeah, I agree. The Champions League are going to be really fun. If y'all had to put money on it right now, right now, just one team, who's winning them both? Who's winning the Concacaf one and who's winning the UEFA one? Ness, you go first. As far as Concacaf, I'll take Cruz Azul, and uh, as far as nah, as far for real, as you, as, uh, not for real. I'll take Cruz Azul. I'll do it. Okay, I'll do you, it. You take it then. I'll do it again. Put that goofy meme in there. I'll do. I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but as far as UEFA, is Real still in it, or are they get kicked out already? Uh, Real are anymore. still Real are yeah, still, still in it, in it they but they're struggling. Yeah, I know. We'll, so we'll probably they'll they probably could drop get it against Atlanta. Out. They probably could. That's why I, I, they didn't. They haven't been so hot. I remember. But I'll take I'll take Real, as I always do. It's like okay. I trust them. Cool. What do you guys yeah, think? No. Uh, I'll take uh, for the Concacaf one. I'm I'm saying. Who? Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a Mexican team. Come on now. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to go with. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Monterrey. I think I think they're gonna be back. I think seeing their arch rivals uh, go really far, you know, you kind of get, you know, they're just watching from the watching from home, watching from the window. They're like, nah, I want to be there. They almost did get there. They had a really good game against Liverpool last year, was it? So, I think I think I think they're gonna do it. And then for the UEFA one, uh, I'm gonna say uh, I agree with you, Jake. I think Bayern have a decent chance of going back to back, but in, for the sake of having someone different. I'm going to say that uh oof. I'm going to go I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to say Guardiola finally does it. I think Man City win. Uh for that I think it all really depends on who they draw. I I really I it's really weird. It's really hard to predict this because it really just all comes down to who everyone draws, right? Like Bayern mm-hmm. could draw Dortmund and Dortmund could go through, and it could all be over at this point forward, right? You could have, um, you could have Real playing Barcelona if they somehow made it through. Um, for that final, I'm going to say, like, if Bayern and Manchester City had to play each other, I would put. It's going to be close, but I'd put Bayern over City, and then I think mm-hmm. if they had to play each other, whoever came out of that would win the whole thing. Um, I agree. As for everyone else, I think Atletico have a good chance. I imagine Atletico, if they got a good draw, they could make the final. Um, I just, I'm not fully sold on Real Madrid just yet. Uh, I think if they had to play Bayern, yeah. I think Bayern could probably beat Real Madrid, and I know that's, you know, it's La Bestia Negra versus um, La Decima, so it's incredibly close, 
uh, and I don't want to jinx it because I hate Real Madrid with all of my being. <laughs> but, um, oh, so do I. I'm saying they get knocked out by Atalanta quick. And I inject hope this they into do. my veins. Record if, this right now. No. <laughs> if they do, I I'm going Atalanta, to chug something. I will chug something very fast. <laughs> I will celebrate. Uh, as far as CONCACAF goes right now, I'm an American. Right? I'm a passionate American. I love the United States of America, and I would be un-American if I said that any of the MLS teams are not going to win the final, and that is why I am picking Monterrey to beat Club America in the final. Portland. You are correct about Portland. As far the as thing... like, soccer culture and like the West Coast, mm. the U.S. has an all yeah. And Portland could be one of those teams, man. Yeah, the thing is how unbalanced all of the teams are, right? So, like, Toronto is going to be a fifth MLS team if they get in, but that's just because they're the best team in Canada and they'll play right. Forge. And if Forge wins, then they're the best team in Canada. Toronto wins, they're just there because they're the best team in Canada, right? But you've got three MLS teams in the bottom half of the bracket with Club America. That's going to be fun. That's going to be interesting, right? You could, realistically, the four semifinalists in the bottom half of that bracket are going to be Philadelphia, Atlanta, Portland, and Club America. Odds, Odds say that the MLS team should go through, but... I, America, I really, don't fuck this up for us, boys. I, I America, really don't know. As a, as a Chivas fan, I hope they fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, yeah. Why not? That's my biggest thing. It's like, I'll root for Tigres in the Club World Cup, but it's like, I'm not rooting hey, for America in anything, man. You wasn't, there. You. You, wasn't, <laughs> you wasn't there when Chivas beat Toronto as the worst team in Mexico. Come on now. That'll be, Dude, it was amazing. <laughs> that'll be fun. If, if Club America can get out of that incredibly heavily MLS group. I would give them a good shot at winning the final if it was like against Leon or Cruz Azul, but if it's Monterrey, I don't know. I don't know. That'll be fun. That'll be very fun if the final is Club America versus Monterrey, and I'd give it to Monterrey, but uh, in reality, I would, I would probably give. I I don't know. It would be it would be a toss up, right? It would be a good Monterrey it'd be, it'd be team fun too, because they have different coaches now with Javier Aguirre at Monterrey, yeah, exactly. Solari at Monterrey America. Monterrey stacked this is, too, dude. Monterrey stacked. Yeah, like, but it's also going to be like I know they were just they were just in a league final like a year ago, you know. But that one, mm-hmm. well, that was when they still had Piojo and Mohamed. Like these are two yeah, exactly. differently built teams, you know what yeah, I mean? With Solari different now tactics. it's different, man. It's like it's yeah. real different. Yeah, and I apologize yet again for not f- being able to uh, roll my double R's. That RA has always been incredibly hard for me, but when it's Monterrey against uh, Club America, I don't know who to pick. Whether a Club America or team that has gone through a stage where they could arguably have played against three of the better teams in MLS versus a Monterrey team, which is probably, in my eyes, the best Mexican team out of... All of the Mexican teams that qualified, I, I don't know. That'll be a f- that'll be a fantastic match that I'll absolutely tune in for if it happens. But mm-hmm. as far as who it's going to be, uh, if Monterrey and here's my full prediction: if Monterrey and Club America make the final, one of the Mexican teams is going to win, and that is going to be my final prediction. Astute, very very tough prediction, but yeah, I, I truly think that the two Mexican teams are going to make the final. Just because MLS, 
I really don't think if uh, LAFC is in it that any team in MLS has a good chance against even a mediocre Club America side. Yep. And I'm sorry to my fellow Americans that listen to this podcast. I'm a bad American for saying that. <laughs> no, we agree, but we understand 100% how it is. Yeah. No, yeah. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone, obviously. And uh, so, Jake, uh, we'll let you go first since you're the guest. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, tell the people where they can follow you at, plug whatever you want to plug. And yeah. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner. Uh, you can find our blog at uh, BavarianFootballWorks.com. You can find us on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. Recently verified. We were very happy to be recently verified mm-hmm. on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to my podcast, uh, the Bavarian Podcast Works Show. We try to pump out a podcast before every show, after every show, and then me and two co-hosts will talk generally about Byron in the league. Uh, I try to be as unbiased as I can as a Byron fan, though a lot of German soccer fans would probably tell me that I still am incredibly biased, which makes a lot of sense. But we try to do our best. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much for me. Awesome. Thanks again for being on. Uh, Ness, tell the people where they can follow you at. Yeah, you guys can follow me at Nescavelli at on twitter you guys obviously fmf state of mind obviously here as well as fmf state of mind and viva liga mx where i used to be an editor where can they find you at antonio y'all can follow me on twitter at antonio1998 double underscore that's two underscores at the end on twitter also go to fmfstateofmind.com for all your liga mechies written soccer content and uh, follow us at FMFSOM on Twitter as well. Also recently verified. I think all the SB Nation sites kind of got verified at the same time. So that's always great to see. So give us hey, a follow on there. Hey, yep. Give us a follow on there. And, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, make sure to tweet at us with uh, anything else that you guys uh, want to hear us talk about next, who you guys want us to invite next. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. See ya.